The front rider pulled to the right, dropping to the back, to fall into end position. I'd been drafting off his back wheel, and it was now my turn to lead. We had rounded the north end of Seneca Lake and heading south, about ten miles out of Geneva, New York. There was five of us, and all feeling a little unsure of ourselves. When I transferred to Hobart that year, a group of us started the Hobart Bicycle Team. We had chosen a ride around Seneca Lake, 96 miles. The goal was four and a half hours, maintaining around 23 miles an hour. The team was young when it came to long distance, but the riders were strong. A young man named Jeff Faber had a strong crank and could pull us up any hill. Peter Cummings was a professor at Hobart College, about 35 years old at the time. He had been an All-American wrestler at Cornell and had become one of the leading Shakespearean authorities. He was a relentless horse on a bicycle, probably the best in the group. It was always a joy to be around Peter. His bike was a Kalinago at the time. The Reynolds frame was the best in the world, straight from Cambiago, Italy, that had been built while he was in Denmark on sabbatical. It was a regular event for him to quote Shakespeare while on the road. The soliloquies were usually very poignant for the occasion. Don Barber was a strong-headed South African who worked through the pain. He was merciless on himself. It made for a powerful team of dedicated guys. The ride was through endless farmland, huge corn stalks, and yellowing soybeans, mixed in with fields of cabbage and endless woods, with tall trees all turning one autumn color or another. The Finger Lakes region is pure beauty, set in a world of rolling hills with six 40 to 50 mile narrow lakes at five to seven miles wide. Seneca Lake was to have a naval base for a submarine training. The depth of the lake was more than 400 feet. The place has a magic all its own. It was about two hours into the ride that my energy changed. There was no pain. My thoughts were not on the ride. I had shifted from intentions, goals, and struggle to joy, relationship with the surrounding fields, and smooth turns in the road. I was leading the pack and without knowing had broken away from them on a hill. It was too wonderful to slow down, and really, I couldn't tell if I was pushing myself up the hills or if I was being pulled by some metaphysical force. What seemed like a road with curves, with ups and downs, had become like the surface of a sensuous woman. I became the viewer watching me from some magical place. After about 30 minutes of this euphoric state, I popped back out of it. We had made it around the south end of the lake and were heading north up a six-mile hill. I downed a banana and drank a container of water. Still, I had fallen into a slump and was riding a teammate's wheel to stay in the pack. Slowly, I regained my energy and the team started to shape back into a working peloton. In the end, Peter came through for all of us, leading the last 15 miles back to Geneva. We had done the 96-mile ride in four hours and 18 minutes.
exhaustion set in. The next day I walked about my experience with a couple of professors that I greatly admired. I knew they had a wide range of philosophical and spiritual knowledge. After much discussion, I was told to study Emersonian philosophy and then proceed to The Secret Life of Plants by Peter Tompkins. This information led me into huge questions. Christianity was boxed into the walls of a church. After my research regarding Emerson, I was finding God, Jesus Christ, and all his grace in all of nature. I felt I had broken loose from the chains of discipline, dark halls, altars, stones, and pious men to finding God in every living plant, tree, animal, and all the planets. After much reading and endless bike rides looking for that high, I came across a book called Finhorn in Scotland. It was a commune dedicated to nature spirits. The literature about Findhorn is based around the beliefs in nature spirits, which created plenty of mysteries and endless confusion for me. For a young man who had been heavily educated in Catholicism, I felt I had stepped over a boundary. Nonetheless, there were a couple of professors who delighted in my earnest attempt to understand other dimensions of nature. After much discussion, I decided to do further research on the subject and its spiritual implications. My new philosophies coincided with my latest project. To get into a senior year, I had to write a baccalaureate essay using two different disciplines. I chose to write my essay using literature, The Heart of Darkness by Joseph Conrad, and several other worldly religious texts to go beyond the standard dimensions of my own religion. I titled the essay, Communication with Nature. The first attempt at the essay was poorly received. Two professors outright flunked it, stating that my writing skills were less than poor. Peter Cummings sat down with me the following day and told me he would help me rewrite the 56 pages over the Thanksgiving break. He told me that I would have to work every minute of the day and late into the night over a 10-day period, and maybe, just maybe, I would learn to be a writer, a skill few people ever possess. Every day I would drive over to his house, and he would spend hours with me, going over every sentence, then back to my place to write all evening, late into the night, and the following morning. Finally, after 10 days, I had a compelling essay that passed the scrutiny of two professors. In short, Peter is a walking saint. I'll never forget his efforts. The remainder of the year was spent studying Shakespeare's tragedies in such depth that they were close to memorized. I just walked around campus all day with headphones on listening to tapes of the tragedies, writing essay after essay on the subject. Finally, one day, one of the literature professors said I had beaten that Shakespearean drum enough. It was time to dwell into other playwrights at that period. He suggested that I read several plays by Jean-Baptiste Pecolin, known as Moliere. 
I dove into the plays of Moliere with great enthusiasm. He was a man who had become a huge success in Paris, only to leave Paris and take his troupe from village to village over ten years. The road was so tough that one time he finally took his one horse, killed it, and fed his troupe to keep them alive. Finally, he made it back to Paris to write and perform La Malade Imaginaire, the hypochondriac, where he became ill on the stage, playing the leading role, and soon died. After reading everything about Moliere that I could find, I was faced with finishing the year one credit short from graduating. At the administration office, I saw a proposal to study in Paris for a term. I had to submit an essay on the subject and detail the qualifications to study in Paris. It was a dream come true. I submitted my essay and received an acceptance letter with a scholarship that paid for the theater in Paris twice a week and play of my liking. I would have to write about the plays and a book a week that focused on Paris. My writings would have to be a comparison between what I saw in Paris and what the author had written. Somehow it seemed like heaven to me. I would leave for Europe the first week of May.